Previously on The Fear of God. Not being 100% certain where this will fall, perhaps next week will fall more into the scares and themes and or just themes. So just know that's kind of what we're getting into here. I knew inside of the first 10 minutes of the first episode, I love this show. Like, I like <laughs> it. Just way in which I feel like there's a danger these days of getting overly romanticized about a certain generation and, and just sort of fan servicing. Sure. Hitting your nostalgia buttons. Right. You know, it's right. like, oh, I remember that thing. You know, and, okay, so my three things. I love the tone. I love the character arcs. I love the emotional payoffs. I think the show does such an impressive job of making all the story tracks align organically. Anyway, so that's sort of addressing some overall thoughts about um, season one of Stranger Things. Let's go, um, read if you're okay with this. We'll go kind of episode by episode, um, address likes, dislikes, address some scares. Um, like I said, guys, this is going to be a, a rather robust conversation, um, but there's a lot of material to cover here. So let's jump in. So episode one or chapter one, The Vanishing of Will Byers. Um, dude, this theme music. Yes. Is, yes. Is insanely good like Mm -hmm. netflix i don't know if it doesn't do this on mobile devices but netflix on the tv these days i I don't i don't know if it's by device or what but these days you can skip the intro it just is that an option really uh not that i've seen i don't know if it's like an update but like when i was watching defenders a couple a couple of months ago um you know it gives you the option to skip the intro i'm like okay yeah sure let's just get onto it sure right so with stranger things watching it in the house on the tv through the apple tv um, it would give me that option. Like, no, no, nah, is, not for this. this is too no. amazing. I just yeah. love every time that cute music cue kicks in. Yeah. And um, that is very much evocative intentionally of John Carpenter. Sure. Like sure, that, sure. that has John Carpenter all over it. There's plenty of things that are amalgams of Spielberg and King and Carpenter. That theme music is very much well. And I've also heard it, uh, called out to like a lot of, in the eighties you had like synthesizer yeah. scores yeah, period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, that, that, that theme music is wonderful. Yeah, so so episode one just sort of sets up so much. I mean, the casting is fantastic. It really is more or less down the line. I don't. There are a few quibbles I have with some character choices at a certain point, or or how some characters are, are uh, drawn. But in terms of casting in general, I don't feel like there's a bad actor. You know no, what I mean? Like, yeah, I there's, agree. there's no one I would look at and be like, eh, I hate every time that person's on screen. Nothing like that. So I hate I hate to do this, but I I still don't quite love Jonathan and Nancy. I said, like, I agree with you. You mean the performers? The performers, yeah. Occasionally, occasionally, 
Jonathan and Nancy as performers, uh, uh, a little a little bit I can see the strings. A little bit I can like uh, they don't feel totally organic and natural to me. Um, but that's a that's that's like a nitpicking thing. Sure. Uh, other than that, unilaterally I agree. I yeah, think, and yeah. I even think Jonathan and Nancy have some really strong moments. Yes. Um, I just feel like that those two performances are not as uniformly consistent as some of the other performances right. in the show. Now, had you, I and and it's possible if I scanned his IMDb, I would find stuff. I I was unfamiliar with David Harbour. Yeah, me too. I, I don't know. He's and so yeah, good. I have to do the same He's thing. He's so good. He's wonderful. He's wonderful. And I did, as I mentioned earlier. Have you earlier, seen the Hellboy images? Yes. Oh, great. man. He looks, looks better great. than Perlman did. I, I'm like, oh, man. It's you fantastic. You be careful. You're going to lose some listeners with that statement. I know, right? <laughs> no, I know. That's probably true. But but no, I, th- I think he looks fantastic. But the um, like I said, I didn't initially like Hopper. I thought going into it that Hopper is going to be the authoritative figure that's going to be a problem gotcha. that they've got to bypass. Yeah, right. because a couple of times, when in many ways, he's got almost the most profound emotional arc. I completely agree, yeah. especially once you get to eight and you start seeing his backstory. Right. right. Um, but I think, yeah, initially, uh, even though it's a strong performance throughout the show, <clears throat> initially, narratively, I didn't. I thought they were going a different place with Hopper. Sure. sure. So I thought these kids are going to be. The heroes of the show, Joyce Byers is going to be one of the heroes of the show, and basically we're going to have Hopper and the as an obstacle. Pe- yeah, Hopper and the people from Hawkins in the way. Um, you mean the lab? The uh, is yeah, Hawkins is the people? town. Yeah, so so the lab, the yeah, people from the yeah. lab in the way. Modine. And so instead, what we get is very quickly, and I'll tell you when we get there. There's a very specific moment when I was like. I love Hopper. Yeah. Whatever he does yeah. from this point on, I love him. And I'll tell you when we get there. It's not in episode one because I spent the first few episodes like, I don't know that. So, yeah. I will say, actually doubling back a little bit on my um, performances and, and character comment, as a and as, as an extremely strong dislike to the point of hate, um, I don't hate the actor because I don't know him. I hate the execution of Nancy's dad. I really do. Oh, like, okay. Okay. I think I I get, and maybe this is my sensitivity as an actual father. I really hate the dumb dad trope. I think it is I a it. weak shortcut. Um, I don't know. I just think there are, I think there were better options. Yeah. Story wise. So I'm about to agree with you. It's going to sound initially like I'm not. <laughs> It's gonna sound. And, uh, I appreciate like, the olive branch. That's the thing. Is no. That's the thing. Is like I've disagreed with you so much. I don't want you to yeah, kick back because I, I know. Like, I know. Are you kicking me off the show? No. Here's what I'm. Here's what I will say. Um, you're completely right. The dumb dad trope. I will say as a moment of defense, and then I'm going to agree with you. As a moment of defense, the dumb dad trope is a staple of the '80s. Like to the degree of that's why I didn't trust Hopper because the dumb authority figure is right, also right, a right, staple right. of the '80s, which is why I agree with you. They went a different place with Hopper. Easily could have done that with sure. the father as well, yes. and they didn't. So that I think, and I think there are moments where you sort of wonder if they are. But he's so incidental; it just doesn't yes. matter, right? And, and they kind of flirt with that a little bit with what they do with the mom, right? But well, she's but, present in, yes. in the story, and yeah. it's either like we'll either just have them divorced, have them. I don't. Anyway, I I, I was so annoyed. Mm. I remember that feeling first watching the show. I was like, oh god. That's he's terrible. Yeah, what a poor character. And and I will say, they attempt to redeem it narratively by Jonathan and Nancy's conversation in the woods. Sure. Later. Right, so so right. I like that. Right. And you're you are doing something with that. Sure. But 
in the moment it just feels so kind of it feels like a shortcut it yeah, feels like no, you agree. didn't do the work you just painted a really broad picture sure I get um it. here's something uh so this is all still episode one on sort of likes dislikes to me winona Ryder starts at an 11 yes and, and the and the rest of the show has to catch up to her I agree with that. In yeah. a way that's mm-hmm. a little like, okay, okay. Yeah. You know? I agree with that. Um, yeah. Eventually the show does catch up to her and that's great. Sure. But, I mean, she starts really strong. Right out the gate. Right. Um, I think the show is just fantastic. You you address this as an overall, but in that first episode of establishing the vibe and the tone, you know, yes. like it's just... Yeah. You, that opening sequence... In. That the opening the opening scene with the boys in the playing Dungeons and Dragons in yeah, the, the, yeah, I, was, yeah. I was just yeah I, I I was immediately sold I was immediately like I love this I don't know where they're going but I love it it's just, it's it's so great it evoked everything that I had you know that I love about Stephen King everything that I love about John Carpenter everything I love about the eighties Spielberg like I just it, it was such an immediate not just the fact that they're playing D and D because that's a, that's incidental sure. but the camaraderie between those right, boys. Right. Um, when Will Byers says, the Demogorgon, he got me. I knew. I was like, this is where our show's going. Something's going to happen. I mean, and the episode's called The Disappearance of Will Byers. But, sure. but I knew. I was like, oh, man, this is great. That means you're going to have a monster. Right, right, right. He's going to get Will. Only one monster, though. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm right, just kidding. right. So, but... You're going to have a monster. He's going to get Will. Right. We're going to have to recover. And I knew, like, these boys are going to be integral to right, the recovery. Right, right. And, I was, and I immediately started getting excited. I was sure. like, this, this is great. This is, this is phenomenal. So, yeah, I, I think they really set the tone very well from the very beginning. Did you have any other likes, dislikes for episode no, one? You no, no, no. I've got one scare, and that's that's it from episode one. Well, what's, what's your scare? Because I'm so, leading the way with the... Other, the, other than the... Well, I say of one scare. Other than the, you know, bypassing the Demogorgon, because I'll mention other things about him in later episodes. My big shocker from season one, or yeah, sorry, episode one, is the death of Benny, uh, the restaurant owner. Is that in episode one? That's in episode one. Yeah, uh, episode one. It's at the very end when he he shows up, or like when he when uh, Eleven shows up at his doorstep and right. he sort of takes her in, and then. Child services, quote unquote, shows right, up. Right. But then when they just take him out, yeah. For me, that immediately was like, oh, okay. Right. So, because because did I had you, already did you as a random trivial bit, did you catch who that actor is? Oh yeah, he's from This Is Us. Yeah, he's yeah, the, yeah. yeah. Because normally in This Is Us, he wears a a, a suit to make well, him look he's larger. Utterly, he's utterly uh, facial hairless. Not in season two. That's why uh, I caught it. Is because in season two of This Is Us, Toby, his oh, character, has a beard. Any of season two, yeah. So when we watched season one, that's funny. Yeah, you I catch. He's also in Guardians of the Galaxy too. Uh, I didn't catch him he's there. He's Taserface. He's Taserface. Yeah. That's so fun. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Um, anyway, but but so when he's taken out, we've already talked about like the situation with Will Byers and they're playing Dungeons and Dragons and everything. I kind of had an instinct about this is where that show's going to go. But when I first see Eleven, I'm like, what is this? And how does this play into it? So then, when he's taken out, the stakes for her sure, immediately sure, sure. elevate. And so then I'm sitting here like, oh, crap. That means she's on the run. She's somehow connected to all this. She's on the run. And I knew then, at that moment, like, now she's going to fall in line with the three right. boys. And now it's going to get even harder for them. And immediately well, I did, and this, this may inadvertently, I think this is going to be unavoidable at a certain point. But um, I don't mean to elevate a, an episode one conversation into the whole thing. But I love... To your point about eleven, 
I love that what that does is Hopper is chasing Eleven thinking it's Will most of the season. Yes. Like that's, just, that's a great yes. kind of, you know, if you're not paying attention, you're suddenly you're like, oh, wow, yeah, that is what's happening. Right. And, and that's a really strong narrative choice. Yeah, couldn't, you know? couldn't agree more. Um, I think for me, the only real, uh, and, and, and it's scary more in the sense that it's it's hard to remember exactly when I first watched it what actually was scary and what was not, but I do love the climax of episode one with Will in the shed with the Democrats. Yes, I mean yes. that's a really well executed sequence. Absolutely. Um, you know the light. Uh, I, I love in general, as I alluded with the Christmas lights. I love what they do with kind of the electricity stuff and how sure. the upside down is interacting with mm-hmm. the, the right side up, <laughs> right? If you will, but overall, that would probably be the bulk of what I would have for scares of episode one. So jumping into episode two, episode two is uh, by chapter title, The Weirdo on Maple Street. I actually don't have a ton of likes, dislikes. Um, I feel like it's a a bit of a, a, I'm hesitant to call it a filler episode because there's only eight of them. I do have a number of scares, but my only thing I wrote down for likes, dislikes is I'll stop the world and melt with you. (laughs) love, you know, this, this, the season itself has a lot of great uh, music cues. Uh, that one in particular, it is kind of hard to just not get swept up in that scene. Sure, and, sure. Uh, especially with that particular music cue. What, what do you have in terms of likes, dislikes? So to be honest, it's, it's my least favorite episode of the, of the season. Mm. Um, I remember in this rewatch, this was the first time in this, in episode two was the first time in the rewatch that I remember thinking, huh, I hope this still holds up because... In the rewatch of episode two, I remember thinking, huh, there's a lot of setup here. There's a lot of... Does every thought you had to yourself start with, huh? It does. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I just want to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> but when they... You know, it is evocative of the... Uh, so the title is called The Weirdo on Maple Street. Uh, that's a call out to a Twilight Zone episode called The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street. The very intentional. Um, but I think in season two, it is the most. Episode it, two. Sorry. sorry. I keep saying season know, and know, substitute for episode. Hard. But I'm doing it too. But for episode two, I think, is other than season one, the most sort of set up, just get us from sure, point A to sure. point B episode. So I have one major. It's not really like a scare. I'll actually mention it here uh, because it's, it's, it's really the only note that I have for it is I do love the moment. It's freaky and I love it. When she first Joyce first realizes that the electricity is connected to to Will mm-hmm. somehow that somehow she begins to contextualize because that's what leads us right, we'll right. get there next episode but um, she begins to contextualize wait a second I believe Will is having an impact on what's happening in the electricity sure, in the house sure. and so that moment is freaky but also a little that exciting one where and, she, uh, it might be in that episode too where she's in the little cubby with the strand yes the kind of white strand exactly yeah, and like yeah. the ball yeah, and she's yeah, like yeah. trying to yeah. make it oh work. it's the yes no exactly yeah, yes so um, so it's that moment that I really I really love that moment but other than that and this man this may be uh, mean of me but other than other than sort of that realization I could largely discard episode two there's actually some good stuff I, I wrote down in Scares. I, I'm pretty sure this is an episode two. We'd, we'd have to um, go back and check for sure. But I'm pretty sure in episode two, it's the latter part of it, and it's coinciding, it's parallel with the pool um, party where Eleven finally illustrates the upside down using the mm-hmm. D&D board. I can't remember if it's there or uh, if it's in three, but I will say it's in two. Um, I'm going to tell you it's in two. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'm just and I just think it's such a perfect moment. Like it is for us as viewers, mm. it is contextualizing a lot. 
it's a it, it's it is that sort of um well i'll get to this in a later episode but it's one of those shorthands that just works like i don't yeah. need a ton of exposition you yeah. just did a really good show and not tell sort of thing right sort right of narratively um and it really works um I did write down, uh, this would actually qualify to me for scares, is, man, I would totally be Barb, like, uh, party. <laughs> I'm, right. like, awkward in the face of peer pressure. Sure, uh, sure. Stupidly slicing my finger when trying to be cool and do the thing. Right. You know, like, I'm like, yes. I feel you, girl. Maybe that's why I need Barb. So maybe, maybe I am one of those people. Maybe I need some <laughs> right. resolution justice for Barb. Right, right. Um, but even her uh, abduction, you know, which not getting to seeing her in the upside down, but her sitting on the pool on the sure. uh, diving board. That's and then great, just great. That is a great scene, regardless of the potential dismissibility of some of episode two. That's a great moment. That is a great moment. I, mean, I will say that. really yeah. in a way that because, because, uh, you know, th- there's will going missing and then there's now Barb is not an adult, but she's not a child either. It's like suddenly, sure. Oh, kind of anybody's game you right, know like right. like anybody's uh on the table um so yeah i mean that would kind of be the bulk of episode two for me sure um now we start to get into uh some of the more meat of the show with episode three called holly jolly man just to start i love the just general aesthetic uh production wise of the upside down Sure. Oh, I yeah. And it's so yeah. good. And, that and that's our first scene. real, I think, isn't that our first real glimpse in it is when Barb oh, is in it. Yeah. 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 Is, is because that opening scene is her in the pool. Right. And Trying to get up. And that's great. Yes, I agree. That's I agree. a great start to that episode. <laughs> I wrote down a really bad word with a lot of uh, vowels in it here that starts with an S and ends with a T, which is the scene with Nancy and her mom when Nancy comes home from Steve's like as the father as a parent of children specifically a bunch of girls I'm like oh my god yeah probably actually should be under scares um (laughs) just a pure dislike but oh god yeah what a dreadful what a dreadful future um um I did write down so this is the episode where uh Dustin is trying to challenge Eleven to lift the Millennium Falcon Oh, sure. Like, sure. I don't know enough about vintage toys to be able to recognize if that is a true vintage Millennium Falcon, but you know if it is, there was a pillow under that seat. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, there yeah, is no yeah. way they're endangering that thing. No kidding. Right, right. For the production. Because right. whoever they borrowed it from said, <laughs> you put a pillow under that. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's so um, funny. What are a couple of likes, dislikes you have? So, the biggest thing that I had is, uh, and it's a clear evocation of E.T., is when Eleven is finally exploring the house. So, oh, oh know, yeah, yeah. Mike's yeah finally gone to school and and you know the house is empty she's just sort of wandering around she discovers the television with the commercials and everything i love that it's it's again pushing a bit of the nostalgia button um the the other big thing that i have and i don't know whether to put this under scares or no it's not a scare i do love the game changer of they've pulled will's body out at the it's at the end of three Mm -hmm. with peter gabriel's version of heroes and and so when when they pull that out because the, you know she's explained to them the upside down it's possible for us to find will somewhere will is somewhere and needs our help so then they get to that quarry and they pull his body out first time through i was like crap like what in the world are we are we doing next because you had already gotten the sensibility that 
Joyce is possibly communicating with him. Right. So what does all of this mean? Like, is he dead and it's just his spirit? Or, it, you know, what is what is this thing? So I just love that narrative beat because it's a real game changer, a stake raiser. Um, so I just think that I think that, that was really smart on their part to um, to put that in and to this make that. This is so funny. Like, I because it's so episode specific, I wouldn't have put it in a broader context. I actually hate it. Really? Yes. Oh, really wow. Do. I think it is utterly unnecessary, partly because, again, it's sort of like the, oh, you're endangering Jack Bauer. I know you're not going to kill him. Like, I, as an audience member, okay. if I'm be- now, again, it relies a bit on believing that Joyce is actually communicating with him. But I know he's not dead. Oh, I see. I, I know the name of episode one is The Vanishing of Will Byers. Oh, is it? I know <laughs> the arc of the se- season is The Hunt for Will Byers. Mm-hmm. I just, and to me as a viewer, I felt like, and it's funny because... I'm I'm going to borrow from episode four really quickly before we actually get to it. To me, the scene that begins episode four, mm-hmm. which is Will on the walkie, right? To me, that should have ended three, because to me, three with the body is such a fake out. It's it oh. is. I just don't buy it. I think and this this gets into several future things. A lot of the attention they pay to the the fake body to me is is a weakness it, it doesn't interesting it doesn't because i know i just know it's not there and it's one thing for me as the viewer to know a thing that the audience doesn't i mean that the characters don't know it's another thing with how hard they sell and, and we'll get into some of some of those other elements when they get to like the funeral and stuff like that but i i felt like it was i felt it felt manipulative like interesting okay like, well i mean i could see that in yeah. a way that just imagine you, you know using our imagination for a second take the the will walkie-talkie conversation and right. plug it in at the end of episode three I, then i'm like oh okay yeah yeah mm-hmm. like that's right that right. is correct this is what's supposed to be happening something else nefarious is happening instead they leave you with the sense oh he's just dead yeah, and that feels okay. False and awkward to me. I could I could see that. So let me ask you this for yeah. clarification's sake: Do you dislike that the plot is there, or you dislike specifically that they just introduce that plot and end it where they do on three? Do you dislike that the plot is there at all? Um, this this borrows from some future episodes, but that's okay. Um, I think it stretches believability that the characters even flirt with buying into it. Oh, it stretches, it stretches okay. belie- creatively, as you alluded to. Mm-hmm. I know this season is about the hunt for Will Byers. Mm-hmm. You you have you have led me to that. So so in a way, it does feel like a cheat. Okay. Um, I know that's where we're heading. I know any attempt to to falsify his death, or rather, I know when we get there, I'm like, this doesn't feel right. That's it's right. As opposed to, oh no, like. To me, it was like this isn't this isn't correct. And now uh-huh. you're playing beautiful Peter Gabriel heroes, right? And you're having the kids get real emotional, which again is sort of okay, just sure. With how you tie it off, and I don't, I think they leave it. So to follow the question you're actually asking, I hate that there's a funeral mm. um, because the funeral happens after Hopper has cut the body open, right? And that's knows true. Yes. it yes. makes zero sense. Now that I won't even disagree with you. the The funeral itself. Um, she would have seen that body before they put it in the casket. Well, yeah. So, so yes, maybe they don't. I mean, okay. But again, we're, we're wrestling with things we aren't shown. And know, what we aren't shown is a mother 
who is grieving, who is being asked that we are being asked to believe is buying in potentially. She is not. Right. No, but that's that's the thing. She what she, I love is she never buys it for a second. She doesn't and believe I guess it for what a I'm single saying, second. Yes. And I guess what I'm saying is creatively that's a lot of work mm-hmm. down a, an utter dead end. Like well, m- maybe I'll convince you when I get to themes because one of my themes hinges on her seeing that body. One of my themes hinges on a mother who feels her son is not lost, sees tangible evidence in front of her that he is. And that's fine, and, but we always we always import themes that we extrapolate as opposed to what the, sure, the, the material sure. actually does the work of giving us. Right, and right. And so, to me, it, it, this this wasn't with even... I'm not trying to convince you to like sure, the plot. Sure, sure, sure. I'm just kicking back to why I do. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think on the secondary viewing, I was kind of hopeful, well, maybe I... Cause, the strength you're hearing in my tone about this plot point was was in the first viewing. Mm-hmm. You know, it just it felt false. It felt sure contrived um, in a way. In a way that as we talk about the fat on the show, like I think you could have sliced a little bit of where that goes out and sure. were none the worse for wear because it's just a lot of work to to buy in this whole town now. Because what does that mean? Follow that all the way. Mm-hmm. What that means now is a whole town is like, because they show this newspaper clipping in the end, right? The boy who came back from the dead, right? Okay, so what are we telling the what are we telling the town? Does the town know about the upside down? Like, there's just so many questions that sure. opens in now a I way get that. that are unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. Um, I get anyway, that. Anyway, so I didn't mean to drill down so hard on that, but uh, you still did drill down. Still keeping hard. with. Well, it's. It, I'm not it's allowed just, to like something so, you don't like. No, no, it was so funny. I felt bad as you were describing how much you loved it because I'm staring at my notes thinking, man. Oh, that's uh, funny. I, I, what I have is the Will Body Fake Out. It's unnecessary. Is it poor editing? We know it's not him, but they sell it so hard. We, the viewer, and that's the thing. We never see the body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not sold to us. And if you can't, if you're not selling it to me, I know. It's not, I mean, we, you know, genre fair is part and parcel of our sort of media consumption. Right, right. You got to see a body. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, so, yeah. as a lead in to four, unless you had more for three. I, I do. Oh, um, do that and then I'll, I'll make my say. Because, because we didn't address some scares on three. Um, Barb and the Upside Down is pretty intense. Oh, very much so. Um, I love it, but I forgot about Baby Holly and Will's room. That's mm. a freaky moment. Yes. You know? Oh, yes. Because because Will's been taken, Barb's been taken. Now there's this baby, and the thing starts coming through the wall. Yes. Oh my god. Yes. Oh yes. Yeah. Um, that is terrifying. And then lastly, I mean, I think it. I think the episode ends uh, with the R U N run. That's mm. uh, so fantastic. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Which again is with the fake out because that happens immediately before the before the body gets found. The uh, three ends with the, oh yeah yeah with them all running like okay are you and, in, and, and maybe that's in. that's again uh, you know it feels like you undercut how strong that moment is when who we think is Will tells her yeah. to run because the monster is coming after her and then we immediately cut to not immediately but then we cut to this plot point of you found a body it's like right how are these things even you know complementary right. of each other and i think just and this will be my lead into four because i think i think that's the thing for me the body uh the discovery of the body and i mean it, we're thinking is it preposterous i wouldn't disagree for a second is it preposterous that the lab technicians have created a even uh, vaguely resembling this disappearing boy when we have no evidence that they know where he is in the Upside Down or anything like that. Why didn't they do that for Barb and all this other sort of stuff. That part of it, I won't even disagree with. 
What I do love about it is I love what it does to the characters because, and I, I'm going to say this, and I don't want to discuss it now because we'll get into it in themes. Now, I'm, I'm saying just sure, sure, just sure. for time sensitivity, sure. not not saying you can't have an opinion on it. Um, that at that moment, one of my major themes from the show is ignoring all circumstantial evidence and not giving up on somebody. Sure. So 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 to that end, I love the the body plot point right. because it's circumstantial and tangible for the boys, for Will's mom. For um, even you know, for Will's brother, for Hopper, everything. It's like, why do you not? Why are you still holding out hope? Right. Why? Because sure. every every piece of evidence before you says abandon hope. Right. Because this is it. And there's conversations about come to grips with reality and everything. Sure. And and so anyway, we'll we'll get into it when we get into themes. But narratively and objectively, I can't fight too hard for it. Thematically, I will put on the boxing gloves and go to bat for the presence of a body, the presence of a fabricated body, because of what it does to Joyce well, and to the boys. Well, I think where I will agree with you is the difference between the presence of a fabricated body and the presence of some plot point that determines for others that he is dead. I just like think, the finding of clothes, sure, or fun, whatever, you know, yeah, something yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's a little more plausible. You used a good word there, a little more plausible than asking of the viewer. Because there, because again, as much as I love so much about the show, it's it sticks out like a sore thumb to me that you never see that body up close. Mm-hmm. You know, like when they pull it out of the water, the boys are watching from a distance. Right, right. I mean, you see it up close when he cuts it open, but that's later. Right. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And when and and so then bridge that gap from he cuts it open. There's just a lot of there are too many question marks for it to remain. I, I am with you, and I, and don't disagree. And in fact, one of the things I wrote down for thematic is is about that sort of hope in the face of you know not uh, others not supporting it. But um, I just think as a as the plot choice they chose, right. I'm like, eh, you could have done some other things that don't force me to buy into a thing that I don't buy into. Sure, for sure, yeah. The plausibility is a big stretch. Um, most specifically, that the lab technicians could have could have created it. Yeah, to and, fool anybody. Well, and 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 they even address in there what first what first and this is getting into I think episode four, but what they Hopper's first clue of like what? So I said earlier, uh, way earlier now at this point for listeners, but I said earlier there was a moment when I came on board with Hopper. Mm-hmm. That moment is when he knocks the guard out to go investigate the body. Sure. Because at that moment, I knew definitively Hopper's not an obstacle; he's an ally. Because at that, because when he knocks him out, and his first clue that something's weird is like, "Who did the autopsy?" Right. And right. they're like, "Well, no, the normal guy didn't do the autopsy." And he's like, "What? The normal guy?" Because at the top of episode four, Joyce goes in and investigates the body. When she investigates the body, she comes out, and when she comes out, and man, I love this moment. Because when she comes out, uh, I think it is at the end of three. I can't, I can't quite remember if it's at the end of three or if it's in four. No, it's at the end of four, so I'll save it for them. Um, she comes out, and when she comes out, uh, you know, she's already had the experience with the lights, the little small sure, lights, and sure. then she's put up the big Christmas lights in three, and she's trying to get it all to work. So she's already in a track of like, I believe there's hope. I believe mm, there's hope. Right. When she comes barreling out of that office 
And she's like, that I don't know what that is, but that's not my son. Right. right I don't know right, what that right, is, right. but that's not him. So, and then even her other son is sitting there, Mom, what are you saying? You're 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 off your rocker now. You're right, insane. Right. She's the sanest one in that room in that moment. Sure. And and so I just love that everybody else is sitting there looking at her like kind of sideways. And the reason I get on board for Hopper is because narratively, Hopper is the first to objectionably believe her. Sure. Now, he doesn't sure. tell her. He doesn't have a moment where he's like, I believe you and everything like that. Right. But he's the first one to be like, maybe she's right. Sure. Maybe maybe something's going on here. And so that's when I came on board with Hopper. Of sure. like, all right, now now I'm team Hopper the whole rest of the show. Yeah. You know? And it is very rooted in how can you deny a body? How can you how can you deny like like sure. clothes? Uh, maybe some serial killers got him, and maybe you're out there somewhere uh, missing. He's still missing, and until right, we have right, tangible right, evidence, right, right. he's still is missing. But how can you continue to hold out hope when you have a body? Right. And so and so then what I love about it is most definitively is Joyce's being like, nope, that's that's not him, and and I'm gonna keep doing this this search this hunt and hopper i just love the moment too hopper's sitting there he's like no i was you know i've been authorized by the the and he takes a beat and then he goes okay and just punches the guy i just yeah yeah i i I love no everything and and i think that. that you you make a strong case and 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 i would agree with what the presence of a a body the fake body does and i i totally it's still implausible it's still very implausible i think that's what i really struggled with is is just and especially kind of the funeral thing like it bothers me that if she's as committed and convinced as she is she wouldn't go you know what i mean like just just there are a few fuzzy choices that get made based and that's the ground zero for it i really could see there being this ripple effect of her refusing to go to the funeral right right i I, now that would have been a really strong narrative choice and could have gone some interesting places so i do see that because yeah. um, then, you know, Jonathan could be even further convinced. Because certainly, that, I, I mean, now I can't remember, but Hopper's not at the funeral, right? I can't remember if he is there's or not. Because if, think if he that's is. the case, and I don't think he is, but even that, like, there's just no way. You, he you've knows cut open a body. Right, 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 right. It's um, cotton, yeah. Anyway, so that's that's episode four, right? Or yes. Is that three? Uh, and I think that's... I think that's the last that oh oh I did have this on uh, on scares for episode four is just um, her first glimpse of of the of the upside down you know the her first her who, who? Joyce Joyce's first glimpse of the upside down is is in the is 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 in episode four where um, the uh, that's when like. Will tells her to run because the monster's right, coming right. through. But what I love about it, and I loved it the first time through too, again, uh, to tease some thematic stuff is Joyce's adamance to not give up on Will is really affecting to me. Sure. Like sure. it it's deeply it's deeply moving to me. Um, the fact that, you know, uh, her own other son is saying, like, hey, it's hopeless. Mm-hmm. Um, but that moment, she's seen the monster kind of come through the wall. Mm-hmm. And then Will tells her to run. Right. So she runs out to the car and she gets in the car. And I loved this the first time through. She, she, she gets in the car and then, and I think I can't remember if this is at the end of three. No, no, no. It's, it's the beginning. It's, it's in four because the body's already in play. But then she's sitting there and then she decides like, okay, 
I'm going to go back in. Right, right. And that, yeah. uh, like, I almost came out the couch the first time I watched it because I was sitting there. I was like, that is amazing. Sure. Like, this is a, this is a, a potentially, like, just ostensibly just a frail little woman. Right. She's not right, old, right, but, right, but right. Joyce right. is not yeah. an imposing presence. Yeah. yeah. And she's a little frantic and she's, she's kind of cuckoo. So, but she's sitting there. She's like, she's going to enter back into the fray. Sure. She's not going to let that just lie. And that was deeply moving to me. The fact of like, I have really no hope. Right. Of right. Right. If, right. if something were to go South, I have really no chance, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to go in sure. and that I'm not sure. going to continue to pursue holding out hope and chasing after that. So I'm sure we'll get a lot more into that when we get into themes, but sort of wrap a bow on all of that. Um, episode, episode five, the flea and the acrobat. This is when, you know, the gears really start to turn and plot and character all starts kind of clicking into a positive place and, and momentum is occurring. Um, for me, likes, dislikes, one one like and one dislike because I'm going to ignore the funeral dislike because we talked about that sure previously. Um. I want to end on a positive note, so I'm going to start with a dislike. Up until this episode, and even maybe a couple after it, it does come around at a certain point, but I struggle with how one note the character Lucas is. Okay. Um, he, he, for much of the season, is just kind of that obstacle. He gives Mike crap at every turn. He right, He right. Eleven at every turn. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. At a certain point, I was like, okay, you know, this is this is just what we're kind of expecting from him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that really was kind of annoying. The love, I won't even categorize as a like. I love, I think it's towards the end of episode five, which is what we're talking about now. I love the juxtaposition of the kids reading about the Veil of Shadows while Hopper is infiltrating the lab. Like sure. Just this oh, back yes. Back and forth. Yeah. Um, to the point where I started wondering, like, as I sort of, and we talked about a little bit in, in the, the first half of this conversation, of what may be to come in season two and beyond and that sort of thing. I This is not where they're going. Or rather, I really doubt this is where they're going. And I, part of me would not really want this. But the D&D imagery... And what the upside down actually is is so connected. Connected, right? Right. That part of me is like, are we ultimately getting to a place where the kids are actually somehow manifesting this on their uh, own? You know what right, I mean? Like, right, like, right, right, right. Because and the Rockwood veil of, and yeah, yeah I mean yeah, the yeah. veil of shadows description while Hawk, while Hopper is exploring is so actually what's happening. Sure, right. You right. know, and so it's like, well, is that a meta creative thing where you're just sort of borrowing this imagery and using mm. it for your story? But I did love zeroing back in on the show itself, the episode itself. I did love that sequence of them in the basement talking through sure. what that is while he's exploring. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, this is a, I'll, I'll start with a, I don't even know if it's quite a dislike. It was just an uncomfortable thing. I, I, I'm, I was uncomfortable through the whole, like does the dissolving of the trio is pretty rough. Like Lucas mm. and Mike getting into it, culminating in 11, like blasting my, yeah, Lucas away, yeah. you know, which that's intense, you know, th- that, that whole thing was just a little rough to see because you're really rooting for them at this point. You really want them to stay cohesive. And one thing it does serve is dude, I love Dustin. If, yeah. if you didn't love yeah. Dustin, yeah. like you, the the whole uh, the way he sort of anchors all of that 
back together, and I'll get into that in, in the next episode. But um, but yeah, the, the dissolving of that trio was a little challenging to watch and even more challenging to feel. Um, but I did love, like you, that we finally get our first understandings of the upside down, the the uh, the theoretics of you know, oh well, if the the acrobats up here, right, then right. you know the flea can go all these other sure. different places. You know, like I, I love that. It was a good visual metaphor, um, and uh, and really works. I love that it's just simple enough that they don't have to get into the scientific mechanics of it. Sure, it's sure. just like, oh it's no, a very easy shorthand. Yeah, yeah, if you are of this type, if you are of this thing, then you can do this. Right, and, right, right. Um, and so. I will say that, so that episode, well, did you have any more likes, dislikes? Because this is my scare. I'll get into scares. Um, yeah, I've got scares. So this, this is my scare. So obviously the deer vanishing. <laughs> Holy crap. That's a jump out of your seat. Moment. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But what we've seen of Barb and what we fear for Will, I thought Nancy was a goner. Really? I, I like when that episode ended. I mean, obviously, we got all of these at one time, so I didn't have any gestation sure, period. Sure, but sure. but when when that happened, I was like, they are taking out Nancy. Wow! I was like, yeah. that, that's a that's a big game changer, you know. And so because I thought there's no way that thing is imminent and it's close. There's no way she she makes it out of that. Now I'll, I'll get into something else when we get into six. But uh, but yeah, I, I thought in the moment I was like, wow, that is a major chess piece off the board. They're taking Nancy out. That's cool. Um, yeah, I had several scares, and some of these actually could arguably in the likes dislikes, but I put them in the scares. Um, two things kind of coinciding. One is I would easily put in scares is the bath, the sensory deprivation tank. Oh yes, um, goodness! I've brought up multiple times my water, you know, Ooh. feelings. Yeah, uh, but add tight spaces to that, and what I wrote is equals no no. <laughs> no, true. no, yes, no. true. Um, one thing I love: the show gets so much of the the genre material visually good, well, right, sure, um, right, right. I love the imagery of Eleven in the kind of astral plane, if yeah, you call it that, yeah, or the mental yeah. plane. Uh, so much, you know, um, movies, TV shows, so much when they dabble in that kind of stuff, it's a very busy sort of aesthetic right uh right. disembodied characters voices i'm thinking you know even like in the x-men world xavier and cerebro and that sort sure, of stuff right but, right um is maybe what i'm conjuring there but i love the simplicity of it production wise it's the all black there's no surfaces right you know and then the specific one is the demogorgon appears oh yes scares the hell out of her and us. um so I just really adore that. Like you, it's pretty jacked up when she slings Lucas off a of mic. I mean, that's a real tough sure. scene to watch. Sure. Um, I do have the deer getting yanked away and Nancy meeting the Demogorgon. But yeah, those are, those are, I'm with you on some of those in terms of scares. Sure. Um, and we haven't been naming the episodes again. Oh yeah, I have. Yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah. moving into six, um, which is appropriately titled the monster. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I've been leading with a lot of these. What are what are some likes dislikes you have? Okay, well, th- well, I'll go ahead and say this. Uh, this uh, most of my notes are on six. Six is my favorite episode of the show. It's cool. Um, six is emotional. It's powerful. It's tightly constructed. It's got some of my favorite payoffs of the whole show. Even though eight has quite a few as well, um, and seven has a handful. Like this, th- six is when even in the first viewing. Six is when my affection for the tone and the general aesthetic 
suddenly shifted to I love this story. Right, right. Because um, six is where you really start. I mean, so much is in six. Mm-hmm. Like, you could almost detriment episodes one through five as pure setup because six being one of the shorter episodes, it's only like 46 minutes and packs in so many things. So, so my first big uh, like, remember I said Nancy, I thought Nancy was a goner. Mm-hmm. So her getting rescued by Jonathan immediately showed for me like, okay, it's possible to come back. Sure. Like, the quest is not futile. It is possible once... Because you're not really sure up to that point. Right, right, right. You know, maybe they're gone forever or whatever. I think they have alluded to... No, no, they haven't. That's later. I was going to say the toxicity of the air. But, but, you know, the fact that Nancy comes back from it, I'm like, oh, yeah. So it is possible... The pursuit of Will has hope for actually culminating in his rescue. Mm-hmm. So so I, I loved that about it. Uh, I mentioned my love for Dustin earlier, and I just say, I'm going I'm to start, uh, man, I wish I had said it earlier in the episode on a few things, but uh, I'm going to start implementing the phrase I call bull on your logic. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I just love that. I call bull on your logic. I just think that's such a great, like, uh, yeah, Dustin's, Dustin's uh, adhesive of that trio is really cool. Right. I, just, I, yeah, I like yeah. that a lot. Um, and uh, and it just made, immediately made me very endearing. Something that I didn't mention in four, uh, I feel like the bullies snickering at Will's memorial thing in the... This is in episode four. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't mention it because of what I'm going to mention for episode six, but... Uh, their, you know, their whole like uh, snickering at it. I'm like that. That's probably a little too much. Like sure. bullies are cruel, but that's. Sure. I mean, like you're snickering it's at strong. Kid. Yeah, at, at that age, at that age, the death of a child right. is going to be traumatic for anybody. Sure. Like, like I, I can remember, and I know many people have probably had this experience in my high school. It was in high school, so they're you know they're a bit younger, but in high school we had a student who died in a car accident. Uh, and we found out about it on a school day. Everything stopped. Sure, sure. Like, like I don't even think it was a respect thing. Like everybody's traumatized, right, so right. everything stops. Right. So it was almost a little too much that they would be snickering at this thing. But it did culminate in a nice little payoff when they, you know, Eleven makes him wet sure, himself sure. and everything. And so that, so that is that was kind of cool. But the real big payoff is at the quarry right. in six. Right. Um, th- I think this is my favorite sequence in the whole film. Or the film, the whole series. Uh-huh. Um, that whole, like, Mike's bravery of, like, okay, I'm not going to let Dustin get hurt, so I'm going to do this thing that's probably going to kill me. Good right, Lord. Right. And then even the other bully is like, dude, this is not a good sure. idea. Like, what are you doing? But that one bully has been so shamed, and he's been right. so embarrassed, and so he's he's, he's going to do this, <clears throat> and, and there's no holding back. Culminating, I was sitting there, I was like, Something's going to happen to keep Mike from jumping. So when Mike jumped, I was like, I was like, what is is going to... And so then I cannot adequately express the emotional roller coaster and almost sheer glee. Mike jumps off. Right. And then like, they're all like, what just happened? And so even the bully with the knife, like puts the knife down. I mean, he didn't drop it, but he's just like, you know, let's go of Dustin runs over there. Like, what are we about to see? So when they look over and Mike's just hanging there. Right, right. And even in the moment when I first saw it, even in the moment I was like, ooh, is this a portal? Did he land oh, on a force wow. field? Right, is there right, a, like, right. is there some sort of other weird sure. connection to the Upside Down or whatever it is? But then when he rises back up and the music changes and they look on the distance and Eleven is in yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh. Well, and that's such a great moment. Uh, I, I do want to add some more context too, but specifically there because 
that's her um spidey puts on his suit finally yes i mean yes she's she's gotten rid of the wig she's not blending in anymore this is who i am kind of moment Mm -hmm. and why that why her entrance into that scene is good too just from a pure scene construction like it could have felt a bit convenient Sure. Except a minute earlier, you see her in the woods yes, eating and the hearing them. Right, yes. right. So it really works, just kind of editing wise, too. I'm going to add some flavor to that whole scene, too, for you. Um, but one, this scene has Stephen King's it all over it. I yes. Mean, it's oh, yes, Rock it Quarry, does. Yes, it's it is. It's the Bowers Gang, yep. all this sort of stuff. So that's a, that's a huge kind of influence on that uh, scenery. What I wrote down here is um, there's so many payoffs. If you recall, um, I don't know the episode number, but there's a scene of Hopper and the deputies out there. Yes. And they make a reference about jumping yeah. off. And he says, no, you, you, you're you dead. Yeah. At that point, it. the water's so, so it's a great payoff for that. Yes. Like Mike's absolutely. standing there. We know. Oh, my God. You no, know, like, he's not going to make it. Right. Yeah. It is an amazing payoff. And, and you'll appreciate this if you hadn't already thought it. I was waiting to see if you'd say it. It's an amazing payoff for the Dustin dynamic. Yes. Because 10 minutes prior, they're talking about best friends. Yes. And Dustin's saying, well, I entered the scene late. You, it's okay that I'm right. not your best friend. Yeah. And, and Mike's like, no, no, no. We're, we're best friends. Well, you can't be, you know, <laughs> you can't be best friends. Maybe that's the bull on glass. I think sequence. it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I call bull and on so your so yeah. it says so much character-wise that Mike is doing this to illustrate friendship to, to Dustin. Yes. You know, that's really yes. a huge kind of character payoff, Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Um, and lastly, it yeah again, it's just a great narrative payoff for Eleven rejoining. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 loser, the new Losers Club. Um, so yeah. <laughs> can I just mention yeah. before we get too far away, her because because it happens before this moment we're applauding is uh, her sequence in the grocery store. Yeah, where yeah. she she charges in and mouth and, breather. Yeah, and she's like mouth breather. But then like as she's running out and she makes the doors collide and sure. glass breaks and everything. So to your point. Uh, her at the quarry is the Spidey puts on the suit. Mm-hmm. It, it really is a payoff to, to uh, the the uh, stuff we saw earlier in the grocery store. Sure, sure. She's starting to ramp up to that, right, you know. Right. And we're starting to get these these flashbacks of the sensory deprivation chamber. This episode, and and I oh I love this moment so much. Just the whole, the whole sequence at the quarry, everything about it, right. the stuff with the bullies. But then, my gosh, their embrace. Yeah, at the end, it's so great. I, I so even great. had like a mild little choke up, even just saying it yeah. right there. Like their little embrace at the end is so great, and and she, we get our first good glimpse. We saw it in the photo. We saw like shadow illusion things before, but six is where we get our first glimpse of the monster. That's where we first see the demogorgon in its What's in its version. Remind me. She is in the sensory deprivation chamber. Oh, is that what I was talking about? Yes, the, the astral plane thing. Yes, okay, yeah, and yeah. then and then she looks off and she sees it. She reaches creepy moment. Yeah, but she yeah. reaches out to touch it, and, and it, that's when the portal opens. That's what. Yes. That's how it happens. And she and yeah. that's what yeah. she says, which is I'm oh, the monster. The tears. Yeah. Yes, she says I'm the monster because right. I opened the right. portal. Right, right. And then Mike and Dustin there. That's what leads to the embrace. She's like, you're you're not the monster. Sure. You know? Like yeah. you're you're one of us. You know and. And I just, I think that's so lovely. And I well, think it's and, so wonderful. And you're hinting up to something that I think um, is really implemented well in the series, but not overplayed, is the flashbacks. Her flashbacks. Sure, yeah. I mean, they're expertly implemented. Yeah, they're and, teased And it's not just, it's, uh, again, and hearkening back to the earlier part of this entire conversation about the anthology and how you move forward co- confidently, but... 
those flashbacks, in addition to just providing character information on her, are very plot. It's like we're learning a lot. Yes, in, in very exactly. small doses. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that scene specifically, that flashback specifically, this is how the portal was created. Sure, right. Um, it, it it does leave that sort of. It's not so big a question mark that it bothers me, but little things like okay well what about these little, other little portals you know like oh, what Nancy right, goes right, through. Right. I mean whatever you know ultimately yeah. I could just go with it but uh-huh, sure but in sure, terms sure. of the 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 colliding of these two kind of parallel dimensions mm-hmm. um is 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 her doing yeah um, absolutely so that's a really great character bit but yeah that whole quarry scene is fantastic in terms of me for likes dislikes um Dustin in general that episode is really strong for him. Script, script. Oh yes, I mean, it is. two yeah. of two lines that are just great is when they finally reconvene with Lucas and talks of talking about him getting thrown off. You, you got to admit that was pretty awesome. You know? uh, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But my favorite, uh, maybe my favorite Dustin line at all um, is him talking to Mike about he and Lucas, and he says. Y'all are best friends until you start punching and yelling each other at each other like goblins with intelligence scores of zero. And it's like, <laughs> personally, I don't even get it, but it's so nerdy and great and such a deep cut for them. It's, it's like, oh, I, I can roll with it. That's yeah, such a great, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm smart enough to grasp the context. That's a wonderful um, line. Yeah. Episode six, um, scares for me. One is Nancy's hand through the tree stump. Yes. I mean, that, oh, uh, yeah. I leapt mm-hmm. um, at that. Uh, this seems to be an ongoing thread here and maybe I need to go visit a therapist for this, but Nancy's mom picking the lock. Like oh, as a oh. parent, I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. My right, kids right. one day are going to sneak around and keep secrets from me. Uh, this, is, this is scarier than any Demogorgon ever. But yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with six. Did you have any other sort of, I just have one more note like the, and I haven't mentioned it before, but uh, it goes all the way back to episode two, like Jonathan taking the photos. Mm hmm. Um, is undeniably like creepster, like him taking the photos of like taking the photos of her up in the thing. Sure. Like I don't know. There's an element of creepiness to it. Like I know we're meant to feel sorry for him when Steve busts his camera and all this other sort of stuff. But I'm like I kept I kept wanting to say like yeah, but what you did was a little creepy. Like it was a little weird that you're just like hovering in the in the woods like snapping photos and 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 it just it struck me a little odd and so in that context when because i understand steve's outrage um it's hard in their fight scene to know who i want to win sure i think that's a reasonable yeah critique of that scene um because and 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 the whole town, or at least the teenage population of it, clearly thinks Jonathan is creepy. And yes. so, yeah, yeah. you know, um, and all the connotations that they apply to him there. So I don't think you're wrong for assigning a little bit of creepy factor to it. And this may not be what you're doing at all, but what it is conjuring for me is, are we applying some current world zeitgeist to the 1983 of Stranger Things in the sense? And what I mean by that is, in this day and age, someone out in the woods taking a picture of you, it's you're, you're throwing that up on social media somehow. It, it is going to oh, enter the right, digital world. Right, Whereas right. in this case, I'm a little sympathetic to it. He clearly has a photography hobby. He, I can't remember how he's actually out in the woods. He's, uh, I think, following, looking for Will. 
Okay. I think. Kind of stum- I mean, clearly stumbles he stumbles on yeah. this. And, and and we did have a payoff that, like, in one of his photographs, we get the first glimpse right. of the monster. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. the first so, full look so that we got. plot-wise, it all works right. together well. So, I, I don't know. I guess... Would would I have done that? Probably not. I'm I'm Barb slicing my hand on accident. But <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm a little more empathetic to that act, not because I think oh it's appropriate to do that, but just sure he is a little weird. He you know he is uh, an outcast. He is on the fringes of his of his sort of demographic, um, and thus though I agree with you that when the moment comes, honestly, that scene is so strong, and I actually kind of applaud creatively that they have him beat the tar out of Steve, not because yes. I think Steve deserves it necessarily. Right, right. No, I agree. Yeah. But because I think it is actually more character in that moment. Like mm-hmm. this is a kid who his father has left him. Yes. Yes. He's, he is the quote unquote man of the house with a, a mom who's frazzled just in general life. Sure. Whose brother is disappeared, whose brother gets accusations and names leveled at him. Right. That Jonathan right. has probably also born the scorn of his own peers yeah, in yeah. the same way. Like, so, so I agree with you. It's a strong scene and I am sympathetic to Steve for the beating he takes. I think, and, and maybe if it had been even a shorter beat up, it's a little like, Oh geez. Right. But because it clearly is meant to be the rage of this kid coming out in a very pronounced way, I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm a bit more like, okay, I got it. I'm, op- I'm open to that. Um, but I'm with I you. I hear that. He beats, yeah. he beats the crap out of Steve. Oh my gosh. Um, and we'll get into this in the, I think either in the next episode or in eight, it might be an eight. It has a, it, again, I talked about the arc. It has a nice payoff for where they land with Steve. Like, oh, like the, the culmination of that is necessary for where Steve as a character lands. Right. And I love it. Right. I love it. We'll get into that when we get later. Because honestly, what's interesting about the rewatch for me, I didn't remember how that fight went. Oh, okay. To the point, I forgot Steve gets beaten up. Mm-hmm. And what I was anticipating, again, having seen it before, what I was anticipating was Jonathan getting beaten by both of them. Oh, yeah. I knew yeah. they ended up at the police station, but sure. I couldn't yeah. remember how we got there. Right. And so I thought Steve and the other goon. Yeah, who I don't uh, know his name. Crab and Goyle. <laughs> um, we're gonna we're gonna beat Jonathan up. So right, right, I was right. kind of I don't know, it, it kinda of worked for me in that way. Um let's let's jump in the bathtub, Reed. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when we podcast in the same room. <laughs> what you don't know is we've been in it the whole time. Um, so episode one seven, uh chapter seven is called The Bathtub. Um I feel like there's no way to have a conversation about this episode and not thoroughly applaud and talk about the bike chase. Oh my gosh, yes. I love it so it's much. It's perfect. Yes, and and the holy crap, oh my gosh moment of flipping the van. Oh, oh that was so well, great. Well, again, so, so you know, we talked uh, 15 hours ago about homage and all this sort of stuff. Like, I, I will... I will totally go with you on, not you read, but you a critic uh, on. Oh, it's 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 just ET. Like, well, sure, but the character stakes are different. Um, yeah, sure. The, yeah. the the ability to stretch this out into a serialized form as opposed to a concentrated kind of feature right, element. Right. And in that moment, like one, they just so perfectly execute that sequence. It's it's Lucas is warning them. Sure. Um, 
I had forgotten about the ability to the walkie-talkie. Like Dustin has the microphone on his head. Like right, I love right. that element. I love Lucas joining the fray. Yeah, coming right um, back in. Yeah, that culminates in the van and the look on their faces. The shot, the camera shot uh, as the van flips over down on them. Just these so great. jaws agape. You know, yeah. just eyes bugging out of their head. Yeah, it's wonderful. I mean, it was just a fantastic sequence. Yeah, I, I love it so much. And another the another big like for me is that we that we've talked about earlier um is the gang's all here now Mm -hmm. because this is the episode where you know hopper is already sort of allied with joyce and they've already we didn't mention it last episode but another thing you find out in six is that like 11 is jane and yeah Yeah. and and all of that backstory the telekinetic ability and all this other sort of stuff so so you find all that out um joyce and hopper are now you know, teamed up, they're together. When they go to the station to see Jonathan, you know, I'm like, well, crap, you know, what what is this going to now bear right. fruit towards? Right. But then that bully being there like, yeah, it was a, it was a girl yeah, beat yeah. me up and they've already found Which out. Which honestly feels a little bit like a moment of convenience, but it works. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. forgive it because yeah. it does more than it. Well, doesn't. yeah, and the, because I believe it, Maybe that bully wouldn't have gone to the police, but the mom finding out he broke sure, his arm, sure. like, yeah, she would have gone to do something about it. So, but then just Hopper's recognition of like, what? And I love so much because it's a, it's a nice suspense release. They're all huddled in the bus. You know, the, the, oh, the, yeah, the yeah. four of them are all huddled in the bus, right. like, oh my gosh. And then the guy's about to get in. We're like, these are bad people. These right, kids, right, right. like what's about to happen? The guy's about to get in and then just bam and Hopper clocks him at the sure. uh, on the back and then that's when the stories all collide I think he if I remember correctly he hops up in the bus he's like hurry up right, <laughs> right, right. It's, it's let's very, go well, yeah. it's an impatient yes you know kind yes. of look it's the it's the kind of father authority figure sure you kind of wanted him to be the whole time right yeah. but I just love I'm like okay well now the gang's all here right. so now all of the plot threads are together I think even uh, the only component that we're missing but it's a nice payoff later is uh, is Steve's involvement and everything but we got sure. Jonathan we got Nancy we got <clears> the kids we've got Eleven we got Hopper we got Joyce every Everybody's here. They're all now focused on like, okay, what are we going to do? And that's what culminates in the, uh, you know, the the sensory, the faux sensory deprivation yeah, the chamber, the bathtub in the gym, right. and then uh, it also, you know, eventually leads to uh, what we see at the end of seven is Hopper and Joyce sort of being captured. And do you want to kind of combine eight and seven let's do it yeah because it all feels feels eight is the upside down and and your 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 line of thinking there echoed back to me what i was trying to say about the overall arc of the season like it is so rare and this is why a stranger things too we should all be a little worried but in a good way um (laughs) it's so rare to land the plane well sure right, right, right right like for for genre media I mean, think of like the village. This is random, but think of the village. So much of leading up to the end of the village, I love. Right. The end doesn't work. Yeah. But yeah. 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 So, so in a wish fulfillment world, well, I wish I could retool the ending and to make it a little more better to sync up. Whatever. Sure. Right. 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 Stranger right. Things nails the ending. Oh yes, they do. They do. They yes. just nail it. There are a few. There are a few little kind of things I might ask. You know, and we can talk about some of that. But um, in terms of just the the payoffs, all the payoffs sure. are there. Right. All the payoffs work. The the sort of locomotion of the plot. Um, you know, you've got the intensity and action of seven and eight that bleeds into just the emotional 
components. Right. Like it just right. it just all works. Oh, it's absolutely. Really strong. Absolutely. Um, I love this is in seven, but again, you know, kind of cut and paste from both. But um, I think talking about you know referencing even things like the flea and the acrobat, like shorthand things. Show me, don't tell me. Steve going to clean the marquee. Yes. Like that is. That is perfect. Yeah. It covers it really so much character ground. It really does. In yeah. a way that is concise and important and informative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because because you could almost like imagine that scene's not there. Well then when Steve shows back up, we've got some ground we gotta cover. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like what are they gonna do? But we don't need that. We we can't we don't have time for that. Sure. Right, right, so right. So just that beat of mm-hmm. him showing up. Yeah. It, which means that when he shows up at the buyer's house at the end, I, I'm good. I'm good. I'm with yeah. you. I'm on board. Join the, sure. join the party. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's such a great moment. And did you know, maybe not, that uh, originally that was not the destiny for that character. Uh-huh. So originally, Steve was going to be almost sadistic. The, the, the moment where he and Nancy are intimate was going to be assault. Jeez. And so, so Steve was going to go a, a totally different direction. But the Duffer brothers recognized that the actor they had was very likable. Sure. And that and the way he was doing the performance was really engaging and endearing. So they so they migrated. They were like, we can't go there with this character because we've cast an actor that people are going to like and going to want to root for. Right. So um, that so I, I love moments like that because then it really does create a nice little payoff. Since we're melding seven and eight, I love that. Um, Nancy doesn't just end up with Jonathan; that she's back sure. with Steve. I, I, well, I do think it's a little bit suggestive, like it's not resolved. But yes, I understand sure. what you're saying. But I also love, and I don't know if you caught this. I love when she gives him back the camera, right? And I love that when she sits back down and cuddles up with Steve. Steve's like, "Did you give it to him?" You know, because it's a collective moment for mm. the two of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and I don't know. There was something about it that if if Nancy had just left Steve and wound up right, with Jonathan, right. something would have felt a little cliche about yeah, it. Yeah, I can I can buy that. But the fact that she goes back and repairs that, and I mean, my goodness, the monster scene in the house That's when so when oh good and and when Steve shows back up, yeah. I'm just like and, and like he's twirling that bat like he's a pro, dude. Right. Like like it's it's so great and it's such a wonderful payoff for a character that I think a lesser show would have just written off and would have just made sure. a, a plastic cutout. But uh, did you did you see you didn't watch Parks and Rec, right? The series no, Parks no, Rec. I haven't seen Parks and Rec. Well, there's a character. Gosh, the actor's name I I don't have in front of me, but there's a character named Jean Ralphio who oh, is okay. a friend of Aziz Ansari's in Parks and Rec. He's okay, a, he's this totally bombastic if we can use this word, douchey kind of guy oh, and right. real pompadour kind of hair. Well, they ran with production, like this meta sort of thing started happening. Once, um, stranger things happened. Steve resembles Jean Ralphio who yeah. in parks and rec is an adult. And there became this funny thing that happened where they started, you know, as as nerdy fans do, like was Steve John Ralphio's father, and uh, there's an actual interview with the two actors uh, playing <laughs> off of it. Wow, with each other, it's it's really funny. That is hilarious. Um, uh, so, looking, scanning my sort of likes dislikes here. Um, yeah, great character moment for Steve. Uh, you know, it, it felt a little on the nose, but it was kind of cutesy, I guess. When Nancy's dad looks out the window and says, "This is our government; they're on our side." Uh-huh. Huh. Us. Um, so likes and dislikes of both of these great first shot in episode eight of after the opening credits of the upside upside down shot of the upside down. Do you remember yes, that? It's yes, like yes, the yes. whole shot is turning uh, onto them. Um, so 
I'm with you that Steve joining the attack party is so fantastic. And again, if we hadn't had that marquee scene, it would have required a little exposition. Absolutely. But we, but we don't right. need or want it. Nope. Like get to the get to the action. Yeah. I love his like it's it's one thing when he comes back in with the bat. Right. But when right. he enters the scene, oh, he's yelling, Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, what are you doing? Because he's so utterly unaware of what right, right, they're doing. Right. You know? Which by the way, I loved I wrote down uh Jonathan and Nancy home aloneing the house for oh, the monster. Great. It's that's wonderful. Great. But yeah, I l- he's great in that moment because it adds some comic relief sure. in an already very suspenseful moment. Right. But yeah, everything that's happening, he's like, Oh my god, oh my god, oh my yeah. god, <laughs> and 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 just like running down the hall. Yeah, everything Everything about that moment works so well, and it's great because that's how he would be in that in that initial encounter. But it's not unbelievable when he, you know, like Joyce did earlier. Like, okay, I don't know what my hopes are, but I'm going to come back in right, and join right, the fray. Right. And uh, oh, it's yeah, it, it, it's really it's really great. I love their fight with the monster. Like the the three missions that we have in the in this episode, the mission of the kids. Um, in in the school, the mission of Joyce and Hopper in the Upside Down, mm-hmm. and then the mission of Steve, Jonathan, Nancy in the sure. in the home, like all of that is so well paced because yes. they they tag in on it on just the right moment, so we never really lose track of where everybody is, right. and th- all of the moments culminate right. emotionally very successfully um, because it all uh, what I what I wrote down is. Uh, that they like when they're all there. I, I wrote Eleven saves the day, just not herself. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and when it's or all, she? I know, right? <laughs> she's in the trailer for season two, so I know she's back. But spoiler alert! No. Oh. But so, um, but the uh, the thing that that I love emotionally. Okay, so this might be a slight sort of diversion, but this is the first episode we've seen teases of it, moments of it, just passing glimpses of, like, Hopper had a life before this. Sure. But episode eight is when we see, as he's wandering through the Upside Down, we see the, which, good Lord, the heartbreak of his his baby girl can't breathe, you know, and, right. and his reaction to that and like, hey, what's going on? You know, everything right, like right, that. Right. Culminating to the next flashback, we see she's clearly got some form of cancer and he's reading to her and everything. What is he reading to her, Reed? Oh, I forget. I didn't write it down. What is it? Well, he... it keeps coming up in our episodes. Anne of Green Gables. Oh, see, yeah. look at there. There you go. There you go. Um, but so he's reading to her, and then if somebody told me, yeah, it's a little heavy-handed, I probably wouldn't argue, but I don't care. Right. Um, right. The juxtaposition of trying to help Will breathe, sure, and sure. his flashback to when his, his helplessness, his helplessness, yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm just, it's, it's heartbreaking. And it's lovely, and it's redemptive, right. and it's very, very powerful. And I think it immediately follows. I don't think it's in the midst of. I think it immediately follows the monster killer slingshot scene in so good. the classroom, which is wonderful. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. so wonderful because that's such a great payoff. They, I think, they found in episode two. You know, we, we bashed episode two, but I think they found in episode two, like, oh yeah, this rocks the monster killer. You know, this is the monster right. killer, and I, you know, it's not doing a thing. What's great that about monster. that moment is like you as the viewer, you're like, what are they doing? Like, right. We've just watched these armed guys yeah. machine gun this thing to no avail whatsoever. Sure. And yeah. so, so, so what could be a crit- criticism becomes really a, a strong creative choice. Mm-hmm. Like, cause as a viewer, you're like, 
They do, yeah. This what is if, over. They're dead. You know, there's right. no chance that works. And then all of a sudden, that final one, and he just, gets blown back. It's yeah, it's great. And then, you know, of course, it's eleven. You know, coming in to to save the day. Uh, one one comment I did make. Uh, actually, my wife made it, and I agreed. Was uh, maybe they could have made a better line than goodbye, Mike? Like, you know, maybe from they, eleven. From eleven. You know, sure. like maybe. I mean, yes, it's functional and it's emotional, but like, what's funny about that is, I. I had this memory on the rewatch of so so Mike uh, kind of uh, clunkily and and awkwardly kisses her in the gym or at the table while Dustin and Lucas are looking for the pudding. I had a memory of the two of them having a more like actual I hesitate to use the word intimate but actual real kind of kiss, and maybe I'm just. Oh. Fabricating that from memory, but no, it's just a, it's just the yeah, snap. yeah, yeah, yeah. For some reason, I thought that was uh, so. So then, when she dissipates on mm-hmm. my rewatch, I was like, oh, did I oh. just make that up? I can't oh. remember. Yeah. Um, um, but I, I will say, like you mentioned something uh, way earlier in the conversation, so it was probably in last week's episode. But um, about uh, do the do the audience know about the upside down or anything like that? Well, I had forgotten at that point. But yeah, H- Hopper's deal. Let Joyce and I go in, and we don't right. say a word, and we don't say a thing well, about it. Can this. we talk about that a minute? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Sure. I, one, I'd forgotten it, mm. and two, on so on the rewatch, it was that it was so so two kind of major scenes relative to that is how he gets out of so you know uh, Hopper and Joyce infiltrate the lab and of course get caught and are in you know for lack of a better word incarcerated. She's in an interrogation cell with Matthew Modine. Hopper is being beaten and drugged. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. then makes threats about, you know, my person at the times or whatever. Um, and then makes some sort of deal. And, and, and he and Joyce have this conversation where he says, we, we never talk about this. This didn't happen. Sure. We're going to go get Will. And then the episode, one of his final scenes pre-leaving the food, ostensibly for Eleven, is being ushered into a limo from the hospital. Sure, right, right, so right. So, like... One, does it bother you, character-wise, for him to go that route, to make that choice, to to make a deal? Mm. Um, it, it felt a little bothersome to me on the on the rewatch because okay. he has come into his own, you know, the bus sure. scene, and right, right, the right, and all that right. sort of stuff. I think it's I don't even I don't even necessarily disagree with the choice. Mm-hmm. Like we're gonna work out a deal to save Will. What is troublesome is if if he follows through somehow, and so I don't know what to make of the limo scene. So so anyway, sure, yeah, right, I, did, right, I didn't right. know what to feel about I felt, those choices. Yeah, I felt not quite as conflicted as you're describing, but there was some conflict there because I was like, well, is he now? And to me, it felt a bit self-sacrificial. I was like, has he now gotten sure. in bed with the devil and kind of like right. you know just I'm willing to put myself on the line here in order to to rescue right, right. Joyce's son, um, but. But ultimately, uh, and I may I, be overthinking it. I can recognize that. But. Well, well, we'll see what they do in season two. Sure, because sure. clearly to not address that would be a mistake. You know, right. so clearly they're going to address that in season two. But um, I did love the payoff that I think he likely would not have had if there hadn't been this whole limo ride connected with them or whatever of taking the food out in the woods right. and leaving right. the egos there, you know, and everything like. Um, in a sense, and this is what I felt the first time around, uh, in a sense, I was like, he has a surrogate, a, you know, almost an adoptive 
daughter sure, back sure, now. Sure. And and naturally, he doesn't have, you know, he had moments with Eleven, and that right, was it. Right, you right, know, right. So there's not right. this deep, long history or anything, but I loved that touch. Sure. It was just like, okay, he has another another daughter to take care of now. Right. You know, and um, so so I, I loved that about it, and in that sense, I like that he connected up with Hawkins Lab, but I was a little conflicted. I was like, what does that mean in terms of the overflow ripple effect for for the rest of the show. Sure. Um, and I think that's what I'm trying to identify is it felt like, I'm not stating it is, it felt like an unnecessary conflict of, of feeling. You know what I mean? Sure, like, like, sure. Oh, did we did we necessarily need that? We're really on board with him. You know, uh, like, right, like, right. we're muddying the waters a little bit in a way that I don't quite get, and that's okay. We'll, we'll see what happens. Sure, sure, um, exactly. In terms of scares, I mean, I didn't have a ton in 7 and 8. I, I think what I wrote down was... Will's intubation monster, the just the the, the umbilicus as we described it. Ugh, earlier, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just so yeah. gross. And then of course, almost any medical show or whatever, when a person pulls a long thing out of someone else's throat, yeah. it's just always yeah, stomach yeah, yeah. turning. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then there's also um, I had written down. It's not quite scares, but it's obviously a, it's sort of a cliffhanger teaser for what we'll see in season two. Um, but I, I wrote Will vomits upside down. You know, and and he's you know clearly feeling sluggish. Wow, <laughs> wow. But um, but yeah, I mean, I get uh, to me the scares don't really apply in seven and eight because we are kind of aware yeah, yeah. of the of the stakes, and so it's really just more about like how are they going to resolve this, bring this all together. And as you've mentioned several times, uh, and I wholeheartedly agree. I feel like they land the plane very, very well. Very strong emotional beats to the point that they end where we began. They're playing right, advanced D&D, right, right, right. uh, the Thessal Hydra this time around. They fireball it. They win. Sure. And then Will's not going home by himself anymore. Jonathan's yeah, going to yeah, <laughs> yeah. That is a nice, up, you know? that is a nice touch. And, uh, and it's great because you know that, that family, the broader family, is even more connected. Because, because Jonathan shows up to pick him up, he reconnects with Nancy, and right. we get to see those other beats. It's just a really nice, and culminates it. At Christmas, you know, right, right. Um, it's it's really nice because that also kind of feels like a payoff of the Holly Jolly stuff and everything, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, it's it's really a very strong conclusion to what I think is a nearly completely satisfying story yeah. that they've told. So totally um, so I love it. Uh, now we've obviously, you know, listeners have gotten this in chunks, but we've obviously been talking for a very long time, and we've teased at some thematic stuff. Are you ready to dive wholeheartedly into the thematic stuff I mean, there's, before there's we There's nowhere to go but there. That's true. So, That's true. Um, go upside down. So, so my my biggest thing is and it, as a parent, I would say not giving up on your kids. Mm-hmm. But as as just a person, just not not giving up on people. And I feel like we have such a strong tendency to, given circumstantial evidence, given statistics, given everything that we could point to that would say, this is futile, and why do you continue to pursue this avenue? Mm. Um, It's convicting, and it's inspiring to me, the notion of, I, I will not give up on right. on them. Right. Uh, that notion in a an intimate context of like with your immediate family, a brother, a sister, a son, a parent, 
whatever it is, I will not give up on them. Um, but in the broader social context as well of like giving up on uh, individuals, uh, uh, there's so many places that we could go here. So I'm just going to sort of bullet point a couple like giving up on criminals to always be criminals, giving up sure, on sure. the mentally ill to never get better, <clears throat> giving up on, you know, in any of those sort of contexts, like giving up on these people, giving up on the problems. Like it's always going to be this way. It's all, it's never, it can never change this stigma that we have around sociological groups or, or uh, genders or whatever it is that that is never going to change. It's never going to migrate. It's never going to normalize. It's never going to progress. Basically the, the act of saying like, we're just going to give up on the lost. We're just going right, to give up on right. it. And as as believers, I'll say this, and then I'll bounce it to you to either take us in a different direction or, or, or bounce back some thoughts here, that for us as believers, I mean, we have almost a downright commission at a certain point. A great one. He might a great say. one, yes, um, to pursue that. Right. And I struggle sometimes um, Here's what I'll say. There's a passage, obviously, Jesus told them, go into all the nations and make disciples of all people. But then there was also a point in time pre his death and resurrection where he sent them out and he said, if they won't listen to you, shake the dust off your feet and move on. Sure. Um, I think there is a, a, a balance that we have to strike between not throwing our pearls before swine and not beating the dead horse, to use a, a colloquial analogy, to, to not continue to do the insane thing right, 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 and expect right. different results. Um, but I think there's a balance that we have to make between wisdom of recognizing futile efforts and resigning sure. people right. or groups to a to a doomed end. Right. I think that is I think that is different. I think they are two different things. I think there is wisdom in recognizing a practice that will not give you the result you are trying for and to either remove yourself from the situation or change strategies or something. Um, and the broader overarching feeling of, well, you're actually, I'm, I'm giving up on them. So right. anything that comes out of that camp, I'm just not even, I'm just not even going to believe anymore for hope or for good things to come right, out of right, that right. and um and yeah I, it, so it's a challenge to me to see like what joyce goes through and and even what the kids go through and not giving up on will despite you know i know it's implausible and we've we've talked about sure, it narratively sure. but uh, in the face of tangible evidence that there's every reason to give up on him and start the grieving process right to not give up on them is is a a convicting and an inspiring thing to me. Sure. Well, and I think, um, you know, you you are contextualizing that even as you know the the individual or like a person or people group. Like to me, hearing you talk, and maybe maybe this is ultimately where you would land as well. Just maybe taking the the pieces you're putting on the table and putting the puzzle a little more with a little more clarity, like for me, a lot about your perspective on your place, God, Jesus, things to come will determine a lot of how you behave in the face of opposition to a worldview. Right. Does that make sense? That's very true. Like, yes. You know, take a Joyce. Now, 
at, at a slice of a moment, someone might be able to look at her and think, okay, you're, you're just crazy. This is ridiculous. These things you're saying. But we know what she has experienced, which is I have reason to think and, 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 and reason to hope sure. that my expectation is true, that he's alive, he's out there. Sure. You know, we're, we're, uh, we're assigning this language to a very specific kind of genre type story, but when you're in a situation of what others might perceive as a hopeless situation. Sure. You know, that's hard. It's, mm. it's, it's, hard, it's hard to operate in hope when those around you don't share it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And, and maybe they don't actively state, well, you're an idiot for hoping that way, mm. but you don't sense like, okay, do, do you, are you aligned with me in this hope? Right. Right. Um, but a lot of that to me has to do with just how you view the world, man. Like does, and, and, and a death in, in the natural is a finite kind of thing. It's, it's like, well, in other words, um, if, if Will was dead, yeah. truly, yeah, uh, Joyce hoping for him not to be dead is a silly endeavor. Right, right. But Joyce hoping for what his death might mean for her in the future and, and you know, eternal restoration, all this, sure, you know, like that's right. not a false hope. You sure. know? And so in the real ignoring the, the, the finality of death, at least in the present time, huh, right. um, you know, situations that may seem hopeless, um, you know, you, you use the language of dust off your feet or, or Jesus language of that. Like to me, that doesn't even speak of how a lot of people would often apply it of, Oh, you know, let's wash our hands of right, these folks, right. this people group that, you know, to me that simply says, okay, your energy, you have a finite amount of energy. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, your expectation for and, and desire for the future and how you interpret scripture to speak into the actual real world for me personally is one of restoration and hope and, and all things. Sure. Right, right, right. Um, and thus what that compels me to do is act and behave and speak in such a way that does not close a door on someone's capacity to come to the table. Sure. That said, there may be moments where I just have to stop spinning my wheels on things I can't control. Right. Right. You know, like it's such an easy target, but things like our president and I'm not picking on, but I'm stating a thing. I don't have any control. I just don't, yeah, you can't I don't, do anything. I don't right. have any control. Right. Um, but at the same time, as much as this may come as a surprise, not to you, but maybe to a listener, like I don't, I, I also don't live in this place where, well, that guy's going to burn in hell. Like right, I don't right. live in that place. Right. Like, right. I think it's the hope of Jesus that, that none will. And, and what Jesus hopes for, I will then hope for. Right. And so what I can what I can do is figure out and find what I do have control over. And that's not just myself, but I don't have control over the people around me, but I can control how I impact the people around me yeah. in a real yeah. tactile, tangible way. And so I don't know if there's any of this is speaking to what you were trying to describe, but yeah, you know, yeah. I do think it is a, it is, I, I like that this particular story says, okay, what happens when, you know, this, it's such a great scene when Hopper says, you're right. Mm, you know, yeah, like, right, right. like that's such a, that's, that's a sea change for the series. Sure. That's a yeah. moment of, okay, the ship, the narrative is shifting mm -hmm. towards now this thing. And, exactly. And, and 
we are right to hope. And it is, and Joyce wasn't crazy. And right. she knew, and we as the viewer knew she wasn't. But in terms of, right. there's something so validating and beautiful when the thing you have hoped for, and not even hoped for in vain, mm-hmm. though hoped for against odds, sure, others start to say, oh, wait a minute, it is right that you hoped for that. And, right. And, and wow, your, your passion and your zealousness for the hope you're expressing is now having an impact. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just sort of freewheeling now, but yeah, yeah. No, I, and because hope is infectious as well. Sure. It just has to work a little harder, and I think that that's what's here's. This is a very broad brush that you think about the upside down, and there's tons. Of, I'm sure any theological perspective that has glanced at this show before, and I know that there are a multitude out there. Any theological perspective that has looked at this is going to use or, or might possibly use the upside down as an analogy for sin. Like this is the darkness, the shadow lands, mm-hmm. and to use C.S. Lewis's old language. Um, and I think that's the, the, the reason that sometimes in our culture, I think hope has to work a little harder is because I think we're in the shadow lands. I think we, we sitting here, I'm not talking about like, you know, specific contextualization of the stuff going on in America or in the world around us or whatever. Like, like, I feel like we people right now, like we're living in the shadowlands. We are not um, free from the impact and saturation of sin in our own hearts and in the world around us. Like we're just, we're not liberated from that. Mm-hmm. Um, we see the results everywhere, but there are echoes of another reality. Mm-hmm. And there, there are echoes of things that are infectious to us if we will allow ourselves to listen to them and allow ourselves to follow them. That we can have hope that people can change, that uh, the lost can be found again, that perspectives can shift, that um, that even uh, perhaps the most entrenched among our friends in, uh, or, or not even our friends, the world at large, even the most entrenched in a particular mindset um, can emerge from that mindset, can sure, learn, sure. can grow. One of the things that I find very frustrating is we have a tendency, how do I want to say this? Because I deeply believe in justice. But I think there's a difference between asking someone to answer for what they've done and now defining them by what they've done. Sure, sure. So I think there's a, I think there's a difference there. Yeah. I think that we as a culture tend to define well, someone it's responsibility by responsibility versus identity. Really. Ex- exactly. Yeah, yeah. And we have a tendency, I think, to identify someone as what they've done versus just ask them to answer for it right, or ask right. them to take responsibility for sure. it. We now you are this thing. Right. And now because of the things you've done, which are frequently despicable or heinous or wrong or misunderstood or misappropriated or whatever it is, like the things that you have done, now you are this thing. Which is why, you vaguely mentioned the the president earlier, it's why the moment somebody says that they voted for Donald Trump or did not vote for Donald Trump, assumptions can immediately be... assign meaning. Yes. A lot of Immediately assign, uh, well, you're clearly this thing. Right, right, right. I had somebody for the longest time who was engaging with me about arguments they had never asked me, but they presumed because I did not vote for President Trump that I must have voted for Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. It was an assumption they made. I will go on record and say I didn't, but 
what my point being in that moment is they uh, they assumed and assigned this thing. Sure. And all I'm simply calling out is we have a tendency to make a litany of assumptions that then we assign uh, ultimate verdict to and then assess a people group. Right, right. You know? Right. So in any particular in any particular avenue, oh, uh, person A is doing action B, therefore they have attitude C. Right, right. And so then we start going after attitude C without ever trying to understand action B or listen to person A. Well, and take a, you know, to separate a little bit from the personalization of who'd you vote for, but like, I think of like the NFL stuff. Like, oh, right, right, right. Oh, right. you're stomping on the anthem. Like, come on, like, dude, mm-hmm. you're, you know, some someone who would look at the scenario that's happening there and, and we'll look at Kaepernick as ground zero, like, do a little reading, do a little research. Like this is not hard to suss out why this is happening. And it's not what you're saying. You know what right, I mean? Like, right, like right, you're right, assigning. Right. And, and so what I'm saying, I'm affirming what you're saying. Like they're assigning labels to they're assigning identity to a thing that, okay, no, like there's right. something, something is different. You know, right. Joyce is not crazy. Right, right, right. You know, to, yeah. to, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to follow this too fat, too far, but Kaepernick is not crazy. Just, do understand where the person's coming from. Right. Understand right. in Stranger Things. Find out where Joyce is coming from. Right. Learn from the experiences she's having, and sure. and and approach her as a person, yeah. and not as an identity thing. Yeah, right, exactly. Right, Which right. lest lest it go unsaid is the responsibility of like in your example is the responsibility of those in the NFL right now too to listen to the to to the, why are you protesting this way? What's going on there? Sure. The point being, n- nobody I think can can ever take a particular stance where you give up on another person. Right, right. You know? Right. Like, like you to, to write off the whole thing. Like, like for instance, and I believe this, I'm just going to mention this like sort of a hit and run, I believe the protests began differently, and then because there was some listening to and some discussion with some military personnel, they right. migrated and, and yeah. changed. he started he, sitting. Yo, he consulted yes. someone who and, was a, 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 a you know... <laughs> I know nothing about sports or the military, oh. so this is like <laughs> this is like right. very uncharted territory. Right. But he consulted a, a guy from the military who suggested, "Well, you, this is, this would be a more respectable form of it," and mm. suggested kneeling, and then um, began doing that yeah, other thing. Yeah. So, so my point being, listen to each other. But what happens is not the listening, and lest and and I know that some listeners, maybe not most of ours, because we have great listeners, but. Most some some people listening to us might then immediately say like, "Oh, you delivered this posture on this thing. You're politicizing it." Here's my point. So if you're upset about either a stance that I've taken or a stance that Nathan's taken, here's my point. From your perspective, do not write off the other perspective. Right. Listen right. to it. Right. Give it its voice. Take its position seriously. Right. And then expect that your position will equally be taken seriously. But that's that's engaging in an sure. actual sure. Conversation. conversation. Right. That's not just saying, hey, you've got upside down thinking. Sure. Hey, you've got backwards thinking. And or you need as to- I saw, like I really don't follow these rabbit trails too often these days, but I saw someone recently with relation to that criticizing Kaepernick specifically and said, use the language until he repents. And oh, right. I, won't, I, I won't even engage it. Like, oh man. I know, and like, that's problematic. Yes, that's really problematic. Because... Let's let's dive into repentance. There's so many people exactly the same thing, and and we can get off of that um, sort of the anthem right, hot right, potato right. and move to anywhere else until that person repents. What happens to uh, 
to to Mike and Lucas at first. And if not for Dustin, right. if not for a reconciler, right. they would have stayed sure. separated out. But Dustin comes in and is like, hey, here's the deal. You drew first blood. You're going to shake his hand. I loved that. But, like yeah. on this rewatch, I really fell in love because I'd forgotten sort of the ins and outs of that dynamic. But what a beautiful, like if if you actually applied this to your life, what they do there, which is, no, this is the rule. You're the one who threw the mm-hmm. punch. You're the yeah. one who drew first blood. Like it is yeah. on you. The onus is on you to be the apologizer first. Yes. To initiate yes. that mm-hmm. reconciliation. Like yeah. goodness gracious. Yeah, it's what great. A great world we'd have. <laughs> oh, <it's> so <laughs> yes, I mean, it's gosh. so wonderful. Because yeah. then what happens is you don't, and then the the layers keep getting piled on, and the plaque sure. keeps getting piled on, and then suddenly. Who knows where we're at? Exactly, and that's what it is. Other is that, than saying you need to repent for this thing. The, oh, and that's and that's yeah, my yeah, yeah. that's my point. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, other than saying you need to repent for this thing, um, which I know can sometimes I, I deeply believe in repentance and repentance language. So, like I, I believe in that. Um, but our our position, our posture, is very much the the scripture that means a great deal to me is the ambassadors of reconciliation call out. Sure, like. That, that's that's our mission. That's our purpose in this is is to see, hey, this side over here is is going this way. This side over here is going this other way. The cross that we are called to take up ourselves and right, die to ourselves right. is literally a gap bridger. Right, right. Is literally a, hey, I'm going to reach out at my own expense sure. and, and bring these two back in alignment, back into reconciliation. Right. And... Not giving up on, not just resigning somebody to use the uh, language of the show. Not simply saying like, "Well, they're they're in the upside down," you know, like right, they're, right. they're they're they are. Uh, I'll say it this way: There's a difference between lost and gone. Sure. And and we need to recognize that there is hope for. There is hope for solid conversation. Right. There is hope for reconciliation. Reconciliation. Right, right. There is. There is hope. But what what happens is you get and man, this might be a stretch, but I'm just going to go there. That somebody produces a body. Sure. Somebody throws something of their fabrication, of their sort of slant, of mm-hmm. their sort of leaning. Right, right. Somebody produces a body and is like, "Answer this." And then once you produce the body in there, the temptation, the tendency is then to just, oh, well, now you need to give up and now you need to sit down and shut up right, and now right, you need right, to do right. all these other things. But if we if we will be willing to let the conversation progress and continue, then maybe we would say like, hey, the emperor has no clothes. The body is full of cotton. Right, like right, something right, like, right. like this, this whole thing. I'll, I'll use them because they're an easy punching bag, and I think there is a little bit of of um, substantial reasoning for this being here. But a media outlet, I won't say the media, a media outlet that blatantly ignores the opposition to its point mm-hmm. in favor of furthering a narrative mm-hmm. and adopting a narrative, that's irresponsible. Sure. And that's the body. They've they've produced the body. I'm right, gonna I'm gonna right, cut right, out right. the clip that right, right, that opposes right. my point, right, and right. I'm gonna you know tactfully insert everything that right. that does this. I'm gonna right. produce this body. I'm gonna throw it out there, and then what we need are the people to stand up and say like, okay, <laughs> punch the guard out and, go in right, and, right, and right, cut, right. cut it open. Sure, because um, because there 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 is I think a calling to us beyond all hope. I, I'm gonna bring in one of the two scriptures that I 
had to bring in. It's it's we've referenced it before. Uh, Matthew eighteen twelve. Jesus was saying, what do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? Mm-hmm. So Christ in that moment is saying like, hey, the lost one, we have a tendency to be like, well, 99% of the time, fine. Like 99 is 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 okay. So right. let's tip the scales here. And Christ is like, no, no, no. Your mission is sure. to reconcile the one sure. that's, that's sure. off the beaten path. Yeah. Yes. Take some comfort in the fact that 99 of them are. That's fine. But don't ignore. Just be like, oh, we can write one off. Right. We can write one thing sure. off. We can. And because that's what causes that one goes out. And then if we're not attentive to that, more will wander off and get lost. Sure. Sure. You know, and, and that's why it's imperative that there be a culture of reconciliation, that there be a culture of seeking. That's the other scripture, Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what's been lost. So go out, find it, bring it home. Right. That that is our mission. And it's a hard one, lest we forget the Christ's mission of reconciliation killed him. Right, right. So so it is hard. Nobody is saying that that should be easy for us to do. It is hard work, but it is rewarding work. I mean, you have to venture into the depths. Just like, just like, Hopper and Joyce, like you've got to well, venture it's so into. Funny. It. Like you, you use that language just now of of you know Christ's work of reconciliation of reconciliation killed him. And hear me as someone who likes comfort. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like we, there doesn't get stronger language than take up your cross daily and follow me. Right, like, like right, like Christ's. Christ's work is singular in a sense, but it is also the point and and the template, the exemplar Mm -hmm. of how we're supposed to live, which, which isn't me suggesting, uh, uh, the culmination of your Christ-like duty of your Christian duty is your own death. I'm not necessarily saying that, right? but I'm also not necessarily not saying that either. Mm -hmm. And we so crave and love our comfort and our systems and our ways of having done things. Sure. A thematic thing that, you know, blends into this. Well, I love, uh, and, and this will make perfect sense when Dustin calls Clark while he's watching the thing and Clark challenges him. It's 10 o'clock on a Saturday night. Sure. Right. He says, you always told us to be curious and to open any curiosity door we find. Uh-huh, I was like, yeah. this is perfect. You know, yes. and that is what, you know, it, Curiosity and hope are two different things, but they are cousins. Yes, you know, yes. like like someone who's someone who looks at like, and again, we're, I'm making statements about what actually is going on. Someone who looks at a Kaepernick and says, "Well, unless he repents, I'm not engaging the conversation." Okay, you're in sin. <laughs> you know, I mean, like that seems strong, but it's but because you are not exercising curiosity to figure out why is this person actually doing this? Okay, this person hurt me. Um, or this person is doing something that offends me, or this person is doing X, Y, or Z that has a negative impact on me, or even a neutral impact. Okay, why are they doing that? I should I should continually ask the questions because the more I can come to understand who they are, the more Christ-like I become because I can empathize with and I can go the distance and sure. I can. Right. Anyway, yeah, I'm with you. You know, yes, yes, and and. I think if I were to, I don't know if you had more thematic things to to bring in, but I think as a way to sort of land this plane, I would just simply say, like, there are there are multitudes of people um, 
in the upside down with us because because sure. we're there too. Sure. But the dis the difference is that we believe as followers of Jesus Christ that we have we have heard echoes of another world. Mm-hmm. We have heard echoes of a of, of a greater truth, a better reality, and to be able to share that, to bear witness to it in an effort to to bring someone back mm-hmm. so that they can see it too. Uh, that should be our that should be our foremost mission. Sure. And I think that we too frequently focus on the land at hand because we've lost confidence in the one to come, and we've lost confidence in the kingdom that is coming that our King has told us about. I'm speaking very specifically to believers right now that those of us who follow after Christ, we have we cannot ignore the calling that we have to continue to bear witness in in spite of all evidence to the contrary for there to be hope that we continue to to profess the gospel and continue to speak that there there is more than just this upside down we well we more see than that us. we live it yes you know like you you didn't intend this and and you wouldn't articulate this as your own position but i i grow so tired of ignoring the on earth as it is in heaven portion of things Mm. you know like yes there's a thing to come but that thing is made manifest by us in the present right right you know and 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 you are in the wrong if if all you're doing is just sort of waiting for that thing to come sure right you know and not um, not actively trying to dispel the upside down in the here and now yeah absolutely absolutely and I think that's uh that's a nice little button to end on. Uh, if you uh, if we want to, we can go ahead and bring in our our good friend David S. Pumpkins. <laughs> um, it's funny. It's we're we are recording a thing that will air after Halloween. I'm just presuming that he showed up on SNL. Um, <laughs> so yeah, as we do, we we measure um, the. Typically, the movies, but in this case, this TV show that we consume on a metric of numbers of David S. Pumpkins, zero to five, on style, which is a bit fluid, um, scares, and substance. Um, this is a great eight episodes of a TV show. Absolutely. I mean, you know, yeah. I'm, I, I feel very strongly about it. Um, as far as style goes, honestly, I think for me, it's a five. Like, okay. There's just no. Uh, and by style, in this case, I mean the vibe they set, the tone they set. I think the casting's great. I think a, much of where they go is really strong. The things I don't like aren't so profound that it really bothers me a ton. Right, right, um, right. So right. for me, it's a five. Um, I'm going to land at a at a four. And I think first watch around, I would have given it a five. Sure. Second watch around, I really sort of felt the setup and the padding in the first half sure. of it, uh, even though we had a lot of great things to say about some of that stuff. So for me, it's a four overall. Cool. Yeah. And what about for scares for you? For scares, um, you know, it's funny because there's some great moments, some great jump moments, but I don't think this is show, a show that's going to give anybody nightmares sure. unless they're like super young or super sensitive. So, um, so for me, it's going to land on about a three for scares. Yeah. Um, for me, it's more just the the general vibe and tone, and there's some very effective moments, sure. and great creature design, and all this other sort of stuff. Um, but in terms of it's just fright factor per se, I'm going to give it a three. Yeah, and I think I think I'll echo your three. I think if 
that upside down had been had been a little more populated at the end, which would have indicated where things might go. Right, I could have right. seen like, oh man, that's kind of some scary stuff. So sure, um, I, I will go with the three with you on that one too. Right. And finally, uh, substance. Um, I think sure. for me, um, I think what's going on. This is a, a bit unwieldy because it's eight hours of a thing versus a, a normal two. Um, but for me, there's enough going on that I think I feel comfortable putting in it like maybe a 3.5. Okay. Um, there's not so much that I feel like it's just sort of dripping with thematic ideas. So right, 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 right. For me, it'd be about 3.5. Yeah, and I feel I was going to land on a 3 for substance as well, um, just because I feel like some some similarly to what you've articulated, um, I don't feel like it's void. Right. Um, I also don't feel like I feel like you could annotate its trivia. I don't feel like you could annotate its substance. Sure. So, sure. so I feel like there's some big sweeping. Or if you things. do, there'd just be a few notes. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. So, I definitely think that there's some um, that there's some substance to be had, mm-hmm. uh, but but it's not completely completely strong. So, why don't you uh, why don't you tell us what we give Stranger Things on the David S. Pumpkins metric? Well, on the David S. Pumpkin scale, Stranger Things season one gets seven. David S. Pumpkins. Which, I mean, that's a that's that's good. That's honorable. Seven's complete. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's perfect. Um, so that kind of ends the first half of Stranger Things. Giving next week, we will be uh, diving into Stranger Things season two. Sure, it's a little wild because in this immediate moment, neither of us have any idea what happens in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Uh, I really hope that the conversation is not all like. Uh, so then there's a. Uh, Turns out it's just going to be one episode of the <laughs> podcast. We're just going to make a thirty minute uh, little disclaimer. Wow. Like, oh no, I, I have strong confidence because boy, that trailer. You've seen that trailer. Um, for season I two, I saw. I saw the initial trailer with the. Was it Michael Jackson? What's yeah, the with the thriller yeah, language yeah. in it. Oh, I've man, intentionally kind of avoided past that because oh, it's here. It's great. No, I haven't seen anything else after that. So, so yeah, um, we uh, we hope you've enjoyed this two-part conversation on Stranger Things. We hope you enjoy Stranger Things, and we hope you enjoy us. If you want to continue the conversation, because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation, you can do so in a variety of ways. Um, you can follow us. The easiest and best way is probably through Twitter. Nathan, what's our Twitter handle? At the fear of God. You can also follow me on Twitter at Reed Lackey. Nathan, where can they find you on Twitter besides the fear of God? At the Nathan Rouse. You can also email us, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. You can also go to morethanonelesson.com, leave a comment on this post or any other of our official episode posts. Uh, You could like us on Facebook, follow us there, post there, comment on one of our posts. And last but certainly not least, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would very much appreciate a review. Um, Nathan. Reed. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me for delighting in Stranger Things giving with me and uh, here's hoping season two is is every bit as enjoyable and fun and, and hoped for as, as we got from season one. Yes. Uh, I'm with you. Here, here's hoping. We're, we're rolling the dice, if you will. Yeah, exactly. See where this goes. That was a D&D reference. Oh, yes. I, like I love it. I love it. Hopefully the Demogorgon doesn't get us. Yes. See you next time, guys. Bye.